You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. There's that familiar sound for our Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. This is your opportunity to bring to us questions or concerns about uh, the faith, the teachings of the church, what's going on in the world today, um, and we'll uh, try to bring some of those reflections as well. 877-795-0122 is the toll-free number to call. In order to uh, speak to us directly, you can also leave a question on our Facebook page for those of you who haven't completely stepped away from that form uh, during the season of Lent. So however, however method you wish to choose, we are looking forward to visiting with you. And uh, we have begun the season of Lent, so one of the natural topics, I think, is uh, to to think about, because I think a lot of people might still be kind of processing the fact that that season has begun, and, you know, i got to take a run at this and, <laughs> and, and get, get in gear, you know. Yeah, you know, even though we're... we're I, here's one thing, and I'd, I'd, I would love, I would love for like 100 different people to call today, and specifically on, so yesterday, Ash Wednesday, which is, and that's huge for us Christians, for we Christians, it's it's huge. Ash Wednesday. It's uh, and and there's something about getting something free, even if it is ashes that mm-hmm. everybody shows up. And well, how does that affect you in the midst of a pandemic? And then, then you know, this word came down from Rome about uh, how the imposition of ashes was going to happen this year. You know, and it it kind of became a, a a big deal. Like I mean, from different angles and quarters, people were contacting me. Everything from priests to laity to you know, um, how how are you going to Im- impose these ashes? Now, the, the thing was, normally as Americans, we receive, the priest takes his thumb full of ashes and he traces a nice old cross on the forehead, right. you know, and says either, uh, remember a man thou art dust and dust he shall return, or believe, repent, repent sins, and believe in the gospel, believe in the gospel yep. you know. And then we all go out and with that visible sign. Well, yep, which is either like a, the the almost the Hindu dot, or it's like the stigmata, or or you know, artsy priests will like put their initials in on the forehead. No, anyway, the um, but so then this came down where from from Rome, which said, well, this year we're we're not going to trace it with a thumb, no physical contact because of the uh, the COVID virus. So. So the more ancient tradition in which they do in Rome is they, they actually sprinkle the ashes on the head, top of the head of the crown. And, and actually, if you look at in, in Job, different places in the Bible, um, the prophet, different prophets, they, they literally do, they do this. They take a bucket full of ashes and they dump it over their head. I mean, this is kind of the ancient tradition. So now myself as a priest, I was familiar with this because I'd had some lay people who knew about this and they would always come and request, Father, don't put it on my forehead. I want you to put ashes on my head. And I remember the first time I was asked to do that, I was like, what? You know? So I was familiar with that. And then, so I thought, I mean, I'd start by just saying like, as a priest, um, I actually had a very profound experience yesterday mm-hmm. taking the ashes and, and sprinkling them on top of people's heads. And I, I did it in the form of a cross. Okay. And now, of course, those people who were, are gifted with having no hair, that that's kind of fun. They still bear that sign. Yeah, they walk away, and they're, you're just like, wow, they're really wearing the cross on the crown of their head this year. And then, obviously, I mean, other people came up because of color of their hair or whatever. You couldn't tell that anything was different there or whatever. But but it, but it's interesting. The thing that struck me. So anyway, as far as a priest goes, 
I actually had a deeper, more profound experience placing the ashes on the crown of the head for people. Now, okay, that's just me as a priest, but I'm really curious for the lay people. Yeah. What did they experience? Were they disappointed? Was it a powerful experience? Were they upset? Did, mm -hmm. did Was it no big deal? Was it a big deal? I, I know there was a number of lay people who called me like, what's going on? Why are they changing this? Oh, hold on, hold on, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I know I've had some brother priests where they came up with creative ways with Q-tips and things like that to yeah. actually still do the cross in the forehead with no physical contact and all. So, I mean, I, I would love to hear Absolutely. people's experiences. And our number is 877-795-0122. And by the way, Father, I was just going to say, in all of my years, <laughs> my many years of <laughs> ministry, um, not once has somebody come up to me beforehand and asked for the, uh, the, the sprinkling method. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that people have come to you and, and have requested that particular format. I want you to read this anonymous question from Sioux Falls because I, I'm dying to hear what you have to say about okay, this. Okay, I have not seen so I don't know what, what we're about. Let's read this out loud. So Anonymous from Sioux Falls asks, Our priest gave out stickers that, that were our, quote, ashes. The stickers were blessed, and each of my family members got one. What do I do now with these blessed stickers? It doesn't feel right to throw them away. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. No, so uh, help me figure this one out in the sense that does it mean that, like it was a sticker that looked like ashes that they were put on their person or something or their forehead? It, it must be. It must be like the application of some sort of sticker in the place where the sign of ashes would be given. But um, yeah, it just okay. It, it, it sort of surprises me that a Catholic parish would choose to do this, right? Because it, it kind of goes against the whole sacramental. It's I, you can see how it is kind of sacramental, but it's a, okay. Let's just take a step back and. Look at the bigger thing. Okay. I always like to remind people, like, just remember, this is dirt. <laughs> you know, we're dirt or ashes. We're, right. It's and, not like it's gold leaf or something. <laughs> and, and again, it's coming. It's, yeah. you know, as Catholics, we, we, we burn the palms from the previous year. So there's a beautiful connection sacramentally. Right. Right. And so, and, and we do put a blessing on them. Like we invoke God's name and blessing for the penitential mm -hmm. season of Lent for the sign. And also that, you know, so it's, it's not... It's not a sacrament, but it is a sacramental in the sense mm -hmm. that it speaks and helps us to go. But, and again, it's, it's not like the blessed sacrament or something like that. So you know, I, I start there because I say, put this in perspective, like what's going on here. E even to the point where it doesn't necessarily have to be a bishop or a priest or mm -hmm. your spiritual leader who, who gives you those ashes. Right. Now, liturgically, we, it, there are guidelines that say that. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, then when it comes to something like this, like... I mean, I think we both can appreciate what this, I'm assuming it was a priest who, yeah. who was doing this mm -hmm. to try to meet that need of the people saying they wanted an outward sign indicating that they mm -hmm. were embracing Lent, right? Yeah. But, but as far as I look here and I see these stickers that are blessed, I, those are not going to be sacramentals, like in yeah. the sense of holy. I, and it does bring up a can of worms in terms of what do I do with this after I get home? Okay, so one of the things I personally, I wouldn't have a problem if you need to dispose of it, throw it away. I don't think that's a big deal. But if you're more on the kind of scrupulous side and you are worried and want it to be appropriate, well, the appropriate way to dispose of something that's blessed like that is to burn it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you have a little fire or fireplace. Yeah, drop it or, in your candle or whatever. And, yeah. Or you can put it, bury it in the ground, which is frozen right now, so you don't have to wait <laughs> to do that. But, yeah, if you're on the, yeah. on the more uh, scrupulous side, the appropriate way to dispose of sacred things yeah. is by burning them. So. Maybe this is just me, but the image that comes to my mind is like when you have, um, you know, preschool or very small children in some sort of activity where they get a sticker as like a recognition that they completed something, you know, and it it just almost 
um, I don't want to say infantilizes, but, you know, makes it sort of juvenile. So I guess that would be almost a hang-up for me to use that particular sure. uh, thing as a replacement. But I, I'm, I'm just speaking specifically. And, and again, specifically. I, I, I appreciate what the person's Personally. asking in the sense of it's with the ble- the fact that they were blessed. I think that's what this person Yes, you know. yes. And again, this is why, for example, within the Catholic faith, you, you're, you know, Protestant denominations and things, they, they make these, like, individual communion cups or something for right. hygiene purposes or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, yeah. In the Catholic Church, we're never going to do that because you're, when you go to the actual sacrament, mm-hmm. that, that changes the whole situation. And we're not going to be disposing of plastic cups that have the precious blood of our Lord. Right. You know, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's, we, that's abhorrent to think that. But these yeah. blessed stickers, they don't fall in that category. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that that's, that's true. I mean, like, like we say, it's important for people to be creative, uh, you know, pastorally in terms of, you know, have, having connection with people. But yes, uh, with regard to your experience of Ash Wednesday or other basic questions with regard to Lent, please contact us either on our Real Presence Radio Facebook page and leave a question there, or you can call us at 877 um, Now, here's another question just sort of an off-the-wall thing. If you count the weekdays beginning with Ash Wednesday, um, uh, actually, let me hold that thought because you no, had no, something you actually, wanted to no, share. No, this is, yeah. I just got a text from one of our listeners and they say they're trying to call in, but the phone lines are not working. So I don't know if Eli or somebody at the station okay. can hear this. Um, we have somebody, they're trying to call in, but they say that the phone lines are not working. So we're not sure if that's a problem. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, okay, and once again, that number is 877-795-0122. So if you look at the weekdays within the season of Lent, from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday inclusive, you get 40 days of weekdays. And then there are additional days, which are Sundays, and every Sunday throughout the year is celebrated as the, you know, a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. So here's just kind of like a personal question. When you decide that you're going to make some specific sacrifice, do you carry it through the Sunday as well? or do you delight in um, uh, you know uh, stepping aside from that on the Sunday because I know that there are some parents that are like you know we want to be hardcore that sort of thing we can't uh, you know really give in because it's going to be tougher especially for our kids you know so we want to just stick with it from start to finish you know what's wonderful about this Father Gross is we we this is a Catholic answer for this one because and when I say Catholic remember the famous line for Catholics is it's both and it's not either or it's both and (laughs) And so, yeah, no, pretty handy, isn't you know, that? Kid, yeah, well, wonderful about this. Okay, and it goes back to kind of how our liturgy is designed. You you have the Sunday schedule and you have the weekday schedule, and the readings won't line up. You can have two different things going at one time. So, on the one hand, there is the forty days of Lent, mm-hmm. um, and that's like your your weekdays. Like uh, for example, yesterday I reminded people, as you're taking this visible sign, you're agreeing to the forty days of Lent. You're you're agreeing that you're to do this penitential season. Yes, you're agreeing to fast and abstain on on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and abstain from meat on Fridays. But a lot of people suddenly think that's all there is. No, no. You're actually signing up to, for 40 days, agreeing to pray for 40 days. You're you're agreeing to do some type of penance or fasting abstinence for 40 days. And you're doing some type of charity for 40 days. Now, it doesn't have to be intense or whatever, but what you're literally saying is for 40 days, I am going to do this, right? Um, So you have the 40-day season, which is actually the weekdays of Lent. Mm -hmm. Now, we get, in addition, the Sundays. Yeah. And those Sundays have their own calendar, their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. And the church itself and the liturgical guidelines, it tells us priests, like, those Sundays are supposed to have a penitential nature, although keeping in mind, 
it still is about the resurrection of Christ over, over sin and death. So the penitential nature is what? It's inviolate. There's not supposed to be any flowers on the altar. And get this, I know people struggle with this. We're not supposed to have musical instruments except possibly to assist the voice, which mm-hmm. that kind of goes. So except for the one Sunday, Laetari Sunday. The fourth Sunday of Lent. It, it says you may have some flowers on the altar and you may use some musical instruments. And, mm-hmm. Okay. So, so then coming to each individual person or family or household, you get to decide, are we just doing the 40 days, the, like the weekdays of, of Lent, and then do we get it like a kind of reprieve on the Sunday? Or are we going to include those extra days of the Sundays in this and keep the whole penitential season? Right. How about you? Some you families know, and things, they had to do it a different way. What, what is yeah, you know, in terms of wanting to maintain that discipline, Lenten discipline, and I guess the analogy that I'm thinking of, and of course this will only go part of the way, let's say that somebody is in a pretty rigorous um, routine of diet and exercise, and they have certain goals coming ahead. There are a lot of people who will say, well, I've got to give myself every once in a while a cheat day, where I'm maybe not going to do that much, or let's say I'm going to eat the things that I know I shouldn't eat habitually, so they're going to roll through the Taco Bell drive through and get 15 bucks worth of stuff and just go to town, you know? Well, one of the questions is, what does that do to you on the morning of the next day? Have you gotten it out of your system? Are you really ready, you know, are you really ready to kind of dial things back into that normal manner of life? Or does that, in a sense, kind of make it harder to, you know, take on that discipline? So I'm sure there are some people who ask that question of themselves, too. You know, like if I'm uh, abstaining from caffeine and then I drink, you know, all sorts of coffee and stuff like that, you know, I'm, it, it, it feels like they're just right back <laughs> where they started I remember from. Monsignor uh, Brian Donahue, a very wise priest of our diocese, he, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when we were in seminary, he, he once said like, you know, yeah, you can just trench in there and power through and just have it all the same. But he was saying like, you know, it's kind of good to get knocked out of your strong routine on a Sunday and whatever. And so that you have to choose again to yeah. go back in there. And it, right. There's two sides to the coin, exactly, aren't there? It is. And exactly. that's why I say it, the answer is both ends. Well, I am delighted to see that we have a dear friend of ours, Father Phil from West Fargo, who we believe is on the line. Welcome to Real Presence Live, Padre. Are you there, Father Phil? Yes, I am. Are you there? Absolutely. Good morning, Father Phil. Hey, good morning. What did you want to share with us? Well, I just wanted to also share that it was a profound experience for me to to be distributing ashes uh, for people. And I really wasn't on the crown of their head. A lot of people bowed their head. So it was really more like uh, beyond that. But just a sense of uh, reverence. I was just so inspiring to me uh, yesterday. Could could you share with us, because you're in a bigger city parish, I'm more in a rural parish. I found, I mean, and again, I don't know if it's because we're more rural, but last Sunday, there was a dramatic difference. All of a sudden, numbers were back, not as many people were wearing masks and things. And, and then yesterday, I mean, it almost felt normal. I mean, like the the folks who came, it was a full church, the, and, and there was a more kind of openness. What's happening in the bigger city parishes in, in regard, and again, maybe Ash Wednesday is not the day to ask because it's a little different, but what are you seeing as pastor during right. COVID and Ash Wednesday and Lent? Mm-hmm. I've noticed the same thing. Um, there was a, uh, each Sunday has been a slight increase, and this past Sunday was a bigger increase, and I was very pleased with that. And just the look on people's faces when they're allowed to have hymnals. Uh, it was, they had smiles on their faces. They were as we were distributing chemicals at the door, because um, I think it's some sense of like we're returning a little bit more to normal. 
so it was uh, so just so delightful to see that we're getting back and people are singing again. It's been a good did, experience. And then for you as pastor, did did the people have questions regarding like not receiving on the forehead, or the, did anybody share with you their experience of it or their thoughts of it? Uh, no, I uh, I I heard you saying something about the questions thing. We um, for the last two weeks we put it in the bulletin that this was coming, and we announced it uh, at masses and why mm-hmm. uh, for safety reasons, social distancing, and so on, and not uh, touching people from person to person and respecting that. Um, so I I didn't receive any comments. Um, well, actually, you know, positive or negative. It's, you know, I always I, I just I'm always again I'm one of the I've. I guess I drank the Kool-Aid, but I, I love being Catholic. I love all the things about being Catholic. And I always love how when these situations come up, there's always a Catholic answer. Like there's a, there's a Catholic solution in a sacramental way, even with the re, within the restrictions of COVID and the physical touch and distance, there's, there's some way to be sacramental with in expressing our faith. Yeah. And, yeah. And a- another thing that I wanted to mention is that, uh, practically speaking, I don't know about uh, either of you gentlemen, but, you know, when you're imposing ashes on the forehead, uh, ladies, uh, God love you, but there are some of you with the uh, impenetrable bangs and how do you get to the forehead or, you know, teenage boys with kind of the shaggy long haircut. So, I mean, that that's not exactly always ideal either, you know. Right, right. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to administer ashes. Uh, I just found it less distracting and more focused on what we're about, uh, for me personally. And I, I, I too felt like, like kind of that, that priestly sacramental experience. Of, you know, like how when you, for example, in confessional, when you place your hand above the person's head for absolution, or when you're praying over somebody, and again, there's it's equal, and I don't, but I, you know, because this was unique in my 22 years of priesthood to mm-hmm. do it this way. I, I was expecting to be a little disappointed or like a let down kind of, or, oh, we don't get to... Yeah, but it, yeah. it was the exact opposite for me, where I was just like, I really felt the Holy Spirit there, almost like he was coming down on each person who was receiving that sign of, of, yeah. of penitence. Well, Father Ackerman, thank you so much for giving your perspective, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon down the road. Well, thank you, and thanks for inviting me to be a part of this morning. Absolutely. And uh, we should also mention that uh, we are grateful to Father Ackerman for being the MC at our um, uh, banquet a couple of weeks ago. Oh my gosh, more than thankful. Uh, He brought the house down. Father Ackerman, you were tremendous. That was was a treat to be there with your... With the with the story about the kindergarten girl, I just oh, I just I, that touched me so deeply. Thank you for being such a, a wonderful host. Fantastic! It touched Thank me so you. deeply that I'm doing something. It touched me so deeply that I'm doing something about that uh, starting Ash Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All righty. Well, thanks again, Father, and blessings to you, and uh, have a great day. Your blessings to you. Thanks for all righty. We do have a few minutes left on our Straight Talk segment. 877-795-0122 is the number. People can also submit questions via our Facebook page. So this is a, it's really interesting to kind of get that perspective of, you know, you one may presume that this is going to be a, a letdown, but there is a whole other kind of blessing that comes about. Okay, you know? so here, I'll, I'll, here's one that came in on text message. I'll have you, Father Gross, your, your insight on this one. It's in regard, looking forward to Good Friday when we reverence the cross okay mm-hmm. and so uh, the person who's who's writing in here they're they're wondering about i think there's been a new director that came down maybe the like no touching the cross obviously covid and so yeah forth. yeah and so the person's like well could we each 
individually bring our own crucifix that we we could kiss or cross. And they mentioned, I see it as um, the need to physically have something to touch, like kind of like Mary Magdalene grasping out towards Jesus. Ah, and, right, and, right. Um, and we've had such a long year in the desert of sacramentally being denied. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there a better way of reverencing the cross than just bowing to it from a distance or something? And yeah, you know, I one. guess my first thinking is that, you know, the, the, the language of the, the liturgy and the rubrics basically suggests that there be fewer crosses to venerate rather than more. Let's say if you had a really large kind of modern design church, the idea is not necessarily to have six different crucifixes so that you can crank, you know, uh, your way through the crowd more quickly, but to have a, a single sign of, of, of reverence. And tell us, wh- why that, what's the f- emphasis on that single sign? Why is that important? Well, I think it uh, draws people together in terms of unity that uh, the Lord in this once for all sacrifice, you know, died for all of us. Um, other particular yeah, ideas I'm just that come like, to mind. You know, one one savior, one cross. Yeah. We all go through the same, the same mm-hmm. death of our savior. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, even though it might take a little bit longer, it's not like where you know if you have uh, if you need to make a deposit at the bank, you're glad that there are four teller windows and not <laughs> just one. Exactly, you know, so that, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, we do have another call that we want to get to because we just have a couple of minutes here, and this could be kind of a, a juicy one. Here we have Adam calling in from Sioux Falls. Welcome, Adam, to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I just think it's a normal comment, nothing too juicy, but I, <laughs> I am hearkening uh, uh, regarding the, your first guest. I'm sorry I'm bad with names. but No, Dr. Um, Flanagan, about, yes. Dr. Flanagan with the reactions to COVID. And, mm-hmm. um, it just made me think of a, a quote that just happened to come to me uh, watching pawnbrokers the other night. And uh, somebody brought in a book by Milton, John Milton, Paradise Lost, an ancient copy. Yeah. And in the process, the uh, appraiser uh, gave out a quote from it, and it's so fitting, I thought. And the quote is, The mind is a place of itself. It can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. Mm-hmm. And relating that to this pandemic perhaps you might call it a pandemic, uh, and everything that re- happened with that after that. You, you know, Adam, the, uh, the, the thought reactions. that comes to me on, on that very point that you're making, where you said the mind can make hell out of heaven or heaven out of hell, it, it's, it's, Scripture itself, St. Paul, says to us, for those who have faith, all things work for your good, for your salvation. And, and I think that's the thing that you're exposing there is, you know, where... Where is faith in this 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 battle that we're all in with this mm-hmm. COVID virus? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not me exposing. That's Milton. <laughs> but you know, Adam, you said you would also like to comment on your experience yesterday. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Here in Sioux Falls, the cathedral, Father uh, mentioned on Sunday that we'd be having the option of of. Uh, ashes on your forehead as usual or sprinkled on your um, head. So, so did uh, they set up two different was, I'm sorry, Adam, did they set up two different lines so that people knew what they were going to be receiving? Or how no, did they no, do that? no, they just said, uh, just like if you receive communion, you know, place your hand over your lips or here, just oh, place your okay. hand over your, over your forehead and uh, I was okay. kind of happy to see I mean, personally, I think there's way too much made of this COVID way too much. But so I, I, you know, sorry, I was just kind of curious. I watched everybody 
and uh, there was about six or seven out of, I suppose, about 200, 200 sure. people at the early mass uh, mm-hmm. who uh, had, it on their, had it put on their head. Okay. okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer, but it, it had never occurred to me to invite people to indicate which form of receiving the ashes well, they he, might he, want. He, here's the one forward. thing that I, okay. I, I really appreciate, Adam, what you're saying there, but the thought that came to me was you'd almost have to have a distinct, like something like where you'd say, you know, we'll start with on the head. And then, then afterwards, the ones with the because there's some physical touch involved, unless there oh. was some sterile way of doing it. Like I know some priests gotcha. are using yeah. an individual oh. Q-tips to place the ash. And in other words, like oh. because the reason people are afraid is because of the physical touch and all that. So, uh, and then, but there's well, people like yeah. you as well, Adam, who aren't afraid, and they're like, "Well, come on, I please put you know um, place that on my head." So, and again, as Catholics, we both ends. So it's like, how do we accommodate everybody? to make this work, yeah. or maybe we don't. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. And, and in the seminary, we didn't have, as far as I can remember, any classes where a, a professor is as talented as they were, say, here's what you do in the case <laughs> of a global pandemic. <laughs> so we were learning right alongside everybody else. But uh, Adam, thank you so much for your uh, call and your comment about Milton. I think that's, a great, that's great food for thought. That definitely ties in to what we were talking about earlier this hour. So thanks so much for listening. Okay, and Father Gross, I have another quick one. We can squeeze it in here. It came yes. in from... From Robert, he says, um, I go to a parish where during Lent, Mass begins with the penitential rite, and everyone is asked to kneel. Is this part of the liturgical rubrics, or are we doing something we shouldn't be doing? Hmm. I, I don't know if it's something that could be, you know, verboten. Um, it definitely is not, you know, specified. But uh, it, there are a couple of like paraliturgical things that I've experienced. For example, when we would pray morning prayer in common at our seminary on Fridays during Lent, we would kneel during the recitation of Psalm 51, whereas the rest of the se- rest of the year okay. we would be seated. So, so you know, and uh, now that's not no, no, the exact well, same I'll, context. I'll, I'll but speak to this, and, uh, I, sure. I, and I bet the reason where that's coming from is so if you have any any connection with. Um, like, say, a monastery or the Benedictines or so forth, or not just them, but that's my familiar background with them. So when they do the penitential rite, they, they kneel. It's a kneeling thing where they, they do this as a sign of... coming. So, so I would say there are... This, this is expressed throughout... Um, it, within the Catholic realm, all over the place, but I, I think liturgically—I don't think liturgically—it's it asks us yeah. to do that. So that is probably a priest or somebody <clears throat> yeah. putting their own kind of right. Or think of it as it. kind of tapping into your Carthusian or Trappist side, maybe to, exactly so. <laughs> to, to do something like that. Thank you very much for that question. What a great conversation that we had here during this straight talk uh, segment. And uh, keep in mind this opportunity that comes up in future programs. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number to contact Real Presence Radio. Well, as we are going to step away, one hour is already in the books, and we're going to talk about uh, really a masterpiece of spirituality and literature from uh, one of the uh, large voices in the 20th century as um, we talk about uh, C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. That's coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Real Presence Live. 